Welcome once again into the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. This is the episode for Sunday, November the 27th. We are ripping through this World Cup. By the end of Monday, we will have everyone to play twice, and then we get into the scoreboard watching, and the group stage is going to be over like this. And then uh, we can then the knockouts begin, uh, and then between the quarterfinals and the semi and the finals, there's some space. So uh, you'll be able to catch your breath. If you've been needing a nap like I have, look, I uh, first half of the Spain-Germany game, I go for a Sunday run on the beach in Santa Monica. I put on the DVR and I went. Felt good. Jumped in the water, ran, walk, ran in the sand. Whew. So highly recommend it. And I had a cheat day. I ordered a calzone. I'm feeling much better. Feeling much better. So that's a good thing. Now we're really getting into it. A reminder, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily is available in podcast form on the audio side where all podcasts are available. You can watch it on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, where you're watching right now. Check out my social media handles. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. I haven't done that in a while. We're going to look back at uh, groups E and F. We will previews group G and H. Uh, a massive Monday, really. You get Brazil and Portugal. Only one team so far has gone two wins out of two, and that's the French. Brazil and Portugal can join them. We'll see if they do just that. It is very telling about the direction of this World Cup. It, uh, I always wanted to compare this to the 2002 World Cup. And while it's not a, a, a direct reflection, there are some 2002 qualities in the sense we don't know about the results. We can't pick the surprises. They're coming out relatively out of nowhere. Uh, some surprises are washed away by other surprises, as the case with Costa Rica and Japan. The round of 16 is going to look much different than we thought, all of us. The trick for me is to see if we can get those matchups in the round of 16. For instance, if Morocco wins that group, which they can, and Japan finishes second, yeah, Morocco, Japan, one of those go to the quarterfinals. So that's what we're looking out for. Oops, I knocked my monitor. That's what we're looking out for. We want chaos because we don't get that in World Cups, right? 2018, we had six out of eight European teams. We had an all-European semifinal. That's not a World Cup. The quality's better. We know the personalities, but it's not a World Cup. So we shall see uh, if we get that. Just it's good to have that, to remind the rest of the world that we're all playing for this. And playing Qatar helped facilitate, facilitate that clearly as we had two more big surprise results on uh, Sunday with Costa Rica winning and Morocco winning as well. Before we get into our recaps and our previews, a update on the uh, U.S. men's national team. They are preparing for their game on Tuesday. They need a victory over Iran. They probably need a couple goals in the process. You would like to see an early goal. They're going to get a lot of possession. We will have the full preview for the U.S.-Iran on tomorrow's show. You don't want to miss that as we uh, get in depth with what is going to happen on that day. Uh, We waited eight and a half years for this World Cup, if you're a USA fan. It could be over in eight days. Did I just say that? We'll get extra days. We'll get extra days. But it could be over in eight days. And I say that because it just shows uh, what we commit in this. We talk about this team endlessly all year. 
at the Nations League, at the Gold Cup, in World Cup qualifying, on friendlies. We talk about it for this moment. And we ramp it up and ramp it up. We, we miss the cycle. We ramp it up. And, you know, hats off to USMNT supporters and supporters of the World Cup as is. Because it all comes down to this. And now the U.S., who looked better against England, have to certainly deliver there. We'll get into the changes. Obviously, we talked about Gio Reyna yesterday and where he fits. I would like to... I mean, I'm a little torn because I would love to see Gio Reyna... Maybe Weya in the middle. He's a, he's a, you figure if, if, he, if someone's going to get on the end of a header, it's going to be way up, but he probably won't. And then Christian Pulisic. Because I think those three will engage the Iranians, which will give you possession, and maybe they can dislodge a couple things and get that early goal. But I'd like to see Haji right there. I think there's going to be some chances for Dest and Anthony Robinson to run. And I think the message to those two fullbacks, run until you are absolutely exhausted. We'll replace you late. We can worry about the knockouts later, but you just go and hopefully a cross gets in and Haji Wright goes boom. So you need to keep Haji Wright, right? Haji Wright, right? It's uh, so many good attacking options for the U.S. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's the bigger question is not how you start them, but how you use these guys in a game where you figure even if you get an early lead, you still want to keep scoring and keep pushing for goals. So if it's Wright, Pulisic, uh, right, Pulisic, um, Wea, then Reyna hopefully gets like 30 minutes. Josh Sargent gets some 20 minutes and maybe have a surprise in there in the form of a Jesus Ferreira, who I think is, I think he could fit into these little spaces there. I think there's a spot for him in this game. But then again, you, uh, it all depends how the starters play, right? That's going to be very exciting. Now, uh, we'll get to Canada and uh, the, the sorry situation for CONCACAF. You know, uh, Costa Rica, which we'll talk about as well, won their game against Japan. That was the first win in 13 games for CONCACAF. First win in 13 games. The last win for CONCACAF in a World Cup was when Mexico beat Germany in uh, their first game in 2018. That's not to say CONCACAF has been terrible. They've had some good results along the way. Even here, you know, Canada should have beaten Belgium. Mexico probably should have gotten something over Poland. They got a point over Poland, which was, uh, they hung tough against Argentina, were just overwhelmed there at the end. The U.S. could have beaten England. It's not like they're uh, lagging behind. And I think the law of averages tell you that the U.S., is poised for a breakout. They they've looked like they could score goals. Eventually, when you play that way, it pays off. I think they're good for some goals. Now, Canada, when they played, getting back to them, had a, uh, a situation where we talked about yesterday where John Herdman, after the Belgium game, said, F Croatia. We'll talk about that. Clearly, that was bulletin board material. And... Uh, Andre Kramaric, who scored two goals for Croatia, said, The Canada coach, thank you for the motivation. In the end, Cro Croatia d demonstrated who effed whom. You can't do that, but we'll, we'll talk about him in a moment. But it's the bulletin board material you have to be worried about. And I wonder if the United States men's national team social media handler gave the bulletin board material to Iran. If you missed it, there was a post with the schedule where the U.S. and Iran and the U.S. social media handle was encouraged 
to remove the Islamic Republic symbol, the symbol of Allah from the flag. So instead of the symbol there, it's just the flag with the colors. I got a lot of pushback, um, obviously uh, supported by many, got a lot of pushback and then they, uh, they wilted and they uh, switched back. A lot of Iranian accounts demanding, uh, demanding a, a fix of that and they did. I wish they stood their ground. If you stand your ground, wilting out, you lose on both sides. The question is, does this inspire Iran the same way it inspires Croatia? It's not really the same situation because the Iranian players, in fact, are, are probably admire most of the Iranian players, not all of them, but the, because we know some of them are aligned with uh, the current regime. If that's, forgive me if that's not the right word to use it, of Iran, uh, the stance about women's rights in particular. And most of the players on this Iranian team, because of what they did in the first game during the anthem, tells you that they are, uh, and the burden they've had to play with, are uh, on board with um, certainly uh, bringing this to the attention. Now, are they on board with uh, de desecrating, that's the word you use, the Iranian flag? I bet you they're not. So the U.S., I think the Iranians find a way to lift it, even if it's not an exact burn, even if it's a situation where uh, Carlos Kidosh says, look, I mean, look what they did to your flag. I mean, they can't do that. That's disrespectful. It's not for them to do that. And the Iranian players can get behind it. I don't think it's going to be as obvious as what Croatia did. But you don't put stuff out there like that. You don't. And uh, it's just it's not necessary because you don't even notice it. No one noticed it until it was brought up by the Iranian accounts who were upset about it. You would have looked at it and go, oh, I guess that maybe they made a mistake. So that's the kind of fight you don't want to pick. Uh, how will that happen in the game? I don't know. But I wish that didn't happen. It's behind us, I hope. We don't talk about it, but maybe there's some motivation. I find, I, I would imagine... Carlos Quiroz and Iran find a way to motivate that team as best they can. Let us get into the games. Uh, we'll try and get through here really quickly. So, uh, no guests this week. The uh, No guests today. So, uh, Costa Rica, Japan. Uh, Costa Rica wins. 81st minute goal. Keisher Fuller, who I really haven't heard about. And he's um, not really a young player. Plays for Herediano in Costa Rica. And by the way, there were four Herediano players in the Costa Rica 11 that beat Japan. Gerson Torres, uh, Anthony Contreras, and uh, Yeltsin Tejeda, who assisted on the Keisha Fuller goal. Came up against nothing. Japan were frustrated. They didn't have a lot of chances. And what a huge, huge uh, setback for the Japanese. After beating Germany, who looked really good today... After beating Germany, you could have physically, you could have booked your spot in the next round at six points. You could have if you win this game. To fall flat that way uh, is really unforgivable. And uh, it probably will cost Japan at the end of the day. Because you, what you saw from Germany tells you they probably have enough to get through. Germany has failed to win either of their first two games in a World Cup for the first time ever. Um... Uh, we'll get to that German game in a bit, but they did look really good. 
Uh, I thought Joel Campbell looked uh, solid, exploring around for some chances. Costa Rica, you got to feel good for them as they picked up their efforts after that disappointing, uh, uh, that just being smashed. Looked like they didn't de deserve to be in this competition. Uh, Luis Fernando Santos, who, uh, the coach of Costa Rica, said we're alive. That is the main thing. We can still dream. And uh, Hajime Moriyasu, the Japanese coach, who was so good in the first game, uh, saying we're going for the win when they play Spain. So that's the next game. Spain have four points. Japan, Costa Rica, three. Germany, one point. Japan probably need to get a point. Uh, at very worst, lose to Spain one zip or get help from Costa Rica. Hard to imagine that's going to happen against a resurgent German team. So good result there. Uh, let's stick with Germany, Spain in the same group, even though it was a, the, the last game of the day. Uh, Germany with the win over Costa Rica. This was 1-1. Disallowed goal early on by Anthony Rudiger, who was great. He was offside. Then in the second half, Spain, who had a lot of possession, 65%. They uh, got a goal from Alvaro Morata. Luis Enrique, I love this because he pulled Ferran Torres and he left Marco Asensio in there, moved Marco Asensio over and put Morata at the forward and they scored a few minutes later. Uh, I'm not crazy about Ferran Torres there. I don't think he offers enough. Uh, Danny Olmo's done enough. Asensio's done enough. Alvaro Morata's done enough here and a few other guys off the bench. I thought this was a very good game. I thought this was one of the better World Cup games. Obviously, when you have Germany, Spain, you are going to say that. Good contest, two really good goals, and good atmosphere. And you know, a German team that really picked up where they were. Just a lot of talented players on both sides. Clash of styles, I think that's pretty good as well. Uh, Jamal Musiala, we talk about him a lot, had 47 touches, had four take-ons, seven duels won, very good. Another reason it might have been good, you had a Dutch official with the two European teams, so maybe there was that familiarity where it felt like a Nations League game, which is good. Uh, you don't have this big, you know, moment of, boy, what's going on here? You kind of get in the groove. Nicholas Fulkrug scored for Germany. He uh, just called into the German National League for the first time. For this World Cup, I had to double check. I got to say, I had to double check where he played. He plays at Werder Bremen. So he was playing in the second division of the Bundesliga last season. Comes in and scores a really nice goal and shows to Hansi Flick why he should have been in this roster. Uh, he says he likes to listen to Survivor Eye of the Tiger before the game. Great choice. He's 29 years of age, so he's not a young pup. He's just a goal scorer. He has 10 currently in the Bundesliga and doesn't mean he's going to get called up. It was a long shot, and now he made it. That is fantastic. Uh, I, I love. I, Spain's my pick to win it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less encouraged, but I get the feeling Luis Enrique knows his eleven well. And by the way, Rodri playing as a center back. The question—he's been great. Now the question for Spain: Can they beat good teams? We don't know yet. We will see. This was a good team. Could have beat them. Can they beat? Good teams. They're going to face some good teams in the knockouts. I still think Spain, I don't see them losing to Japan. They, they could get knocked out here. They could get. It's slim, but they've got to take care of business, business here. Uh, they let an opponent off the hook. Belgium and Morocco, Group F. Big surprise. Morocco, I don't know if it's a big surprise. I saw enough from Morocco in the first game when they played Croatia. And look how good Croatia looked. 
to tell you that this was a team to be reckoned with. Uh, not only they beat Belgium, but they uh, beat them by two. The big story here is Belgium because it's the end of this golden generation. They can still make the knockouts. The Group F standings have Croatia at four points. Morocco at four points. Croatia has a plus three goal differential. Morocco has a plus two. Belgium minus one. They have three. Canada zero points minus four. So Belgium will play Croatia. If they win that game, they're going through to the next round. Uh, But how can you see that? This team reminds me of, without the fighting, the French team in 2010 South Africa. Remember, they were the champions. Then they get into 2010 They just look uninterested. And that's exactly what this Belgium team is going. France, remember, lost to Mexico, South Africa. They finished last in the group. They went home early. It feels like Belgium, it's not as bad as France because they got a win, might be heading in that direction. No good chances in this game. uh, They've now lost seven of their last 19 games. Prior to that, they lost seven in their previous 74. So this is very weird for Belgium to go on. Kevin De Bruyne who uh, said they were too old. Uh, We thought it might have been tongue-in-cheek. Clearly it wasn't. He seems checked out. Uh, Jean Vertonghen said maybe it's just the defense, maybe the attack is too old, so he takes a shot at De Bruyne. I just don't see where the talent is either. And look, this is Belgium. It's 11 million people. This isn't Germany or France. This is Belgium. It's amazing they've gotten back to this level, but it looks like they're going to hit back down, got to find some new young players. And they are there for Belgium to get back on the right track. Morocco, two really nice goals. Romain Saiz, who tapped it in, who's been given credit for the goal. Zakaria Aboukal in the 92nd minute. Hakim Ziyech involved in so much. It is so awesome to see him enjoying this moment. The Chelsea midfielder who was out at Morocco and come back with the new coach and they have moved forward. And set pieces, he had a goal disallowed in the first half, uh, Ziyech. He was involved with uh, the last goal. Set piece scored the first goal. Morocco are really good. They can win this group. Final thing, Roberto Martinez. What have you done for me lately? Look at his coaching record. Not great. Belgium major concerns. I think Croatia ends up winning this group. Morocco and... It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'd love to see something from Canada. Canada, Croatia. Uh, we talked about it here. I don't want to talk too much more. Alfonso Davies scores 68 seconds in. Canada's now 0-5 in World Cup games. Only El Salvador was worse at 0-6. Uh, they look, it looked like a training practice. It looked like a practice for Croatia. Canada had big spaces, and they're just hitting around uh, training cones. It was pretty gnarly. And I just want to tell this about John Herdman. He's a really good coach. He is not this genius that everyone thinks he is, uh, or some people think he is, but he's a really good coach. I love the emotions, but be careful what you say. Especially, you don't want to say this about Croatians. Do you know that part of world, even after this game is over, you might have problems at a restaurant. Some Croatian guy will come up to you and say, if Croatia, if Croatia. Don't do it. The Croatians or Serbs or Bosnians or Montenegrins, Don't say it. Hope you've learned a lesson here. Shh. Don't say anything. But just after a positive start for Canada, major disappointment. I'll leave it at that. Maybe I'll have a word in the second segment. We'll be back. Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We uh, preview the next group of games. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. I still can't believe uh, he said F Croatia. Anyway, John Herdman, uh, the train. I mean, some people are in the U.S. Were saying, some people were saying in the U.S. Let's bring him here to replace Greg Berhalter. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about John Herdman. Good coach. Done some incredible things with Canada to get them. And I, I, I'm sorry I keep going about Canada. It's an interesting story. Uh, everyone says this wasn't that talented of a team. And sure, there's some holes defensively and in some key positions. But there's a, look, Steven Ustakio playing in the Champions League, still playing in the Champions League. Alfonso Davies, maybe the best at his position in the world at this point. Jonathan David, very well regarded forward. Kyle Lahren, you got to keep there. As you'd be happy, most teams would be happy outside of the elite teams to have a guy like that. Tejon Buchanan, who was really poor in this game, stopped tracking back. Uh, uh, he's still a very exciting midfield player. Uh, then they fill the gap with some uh, MLS guys. Sure, but it's not like two good players. This was a very good Canadian team. We saw it against Belgium. They should have done better here. They had the lead. Uh, they just conceded the midfield. Silly mistakes. And John Herbin didn't make any adjustments. And they had four, and Croatia could have had even more. So uh, it, they, they did get their first ever goal at a World Cup. And it was the, uh, the fastest goal at this World Cup. I think it was 68 seconds, so well done. Group G and H, front and center on Monday. Cameroon and Serbia, both losers in the first round. So uh, a loss here probably ends their World Cup. Uh, neither of these teams have won in the World Cup that frequently. Cameroon has lost each of their last eight games, dating all the way back to 2002. Last time they scored a goal in the World Cup, uh, won a game. It was Samuel Etou, sort of the game winner. And they've been in a lot of World Cups, but you have to go all the way back to two, four World Cups. It goes back to 2002. Serbia's lost eight of their last 10 in the World Cup. So they have struggled. They lost to Brazil. No shame in that. They did pretty well by not getting blown out in that game. It was tied. Uh, it was scoreless for the longest time. And then Brazil scored. He Charlie Son, and then Charlison scored again. Uh, Cameroon uh, put a good performance against a Swiss team. Up, uh, lost one zip. Uh, the Braille Embola, Embolo scoring the goal. And uh, now we're here. Serbia, I had them going to a semifinal. Some people had them winning it. And after the Brazil game, it's hard to see that. They had some bright spots. They played with one forward. I expect Serbia, and we're hearing reports they'll play with two. Uh, Mitrovic is there, and it was... He had Dusan Tadic and... Uh, Milinkovic-Savic behind him. Uh, those two will remain, but they'll, now it'll be Mitrovic and Dusan Vlajovic, who uh, is an $80 million player. Juventus paid $80 million to bring him in from Fiorentina. And now there's reports that Arsenal want to bring him there for $100 million. And Juventus have to be saying, hey, we spent $80 million on this guy and now we can make a profit? That's rare in this uh, this sport. So Vlahovic should get in there. Filip Kostic should be getting in at some point as well. He is healthy and fit. That's a winger, another good attacking option for Serbia. Uh, Cameroon, I was impressed enough by, you know, they have uh, Eric Maxime Chupamoting didn't play that great. I, I really enjoyed Andre Frank and Gisa. Brian Embuemo didn't play great. I think he is due the Brentford forward. I love him. He's a throwback. Socks are down. Uh, just a cool thing. He just like walks up. He just kind of has a great technical still. Uh, so Cameroon has some players. Can they get a some sort of positivity? They, they've only scored 18 goals 
in 24 World Cup games. They need to score some goals, Cameroon. They need to get a result. So uh, we shall see. I think they're capable of it, but I would like to see Serbia flex their muscles here. That would be excellent. Group H, South Korea, Ghana. I want to say something real quickly because uh, my wife is Korean. Uh, my mother-in-law lives, lives with us here at the, uh, the Ponderosa. And uh, she's very upset, FIFA, because for the second straight Korea game, it's a 5 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. She doesn't get up that early. And add it to the list, FIFA. Add it to the very long list of complaints. And put it at the top, because we don't want uh, Mama Cho to be upset. I hope not. I hope we uh, get a good result. I'll give, I, I like when she wakes up, I'll give her the result. Hey, Mama Cho, uh, sounds good. Yeah, I was impressed by uh, Koreans. Feels the steel, ceiling is still high. Uh, Son Hyung Min playing with the mask. I think he'll get a little more comfortable. Had a couple nice moments. I love Kim Min Jai, the defender. He is, to me, one of the best defenders in the tournament. He is dealing with a late fitness test. If he can't play, that's a problem. Uh, Cho Yu Sung came off the bench. I think he's in line to start. He was impressive as a number nine. Juan Ingbyom, who was like the organizing midfielder, distributor, also very good, former Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, some good stuff there. Uh, I want a little more from Lee Jae-sung. Lee Jae-sung, who's the number 10, plays in Germany. He needs to be more involved here, and he has to make some good music with uh, Sung Hyung Min. If they're healthy, I, I expect Korea to go for it. I mean, they were a little timid against Uruguay, but they got a nice point, had a couple looks, nothing really too concrete, uh, but promising. You know, a lot of people thought they would lose to Uruguay, but now the tournament's there. If they can really push this game into their favor, which I believe they are capable of doing. They have had three straight clean sheets. They have not been scored on in 270 minutes, the Uruguay game, and friendlies against Cameroon and Iceland before this competition. Uh, they need to score a goal, though. They need to score a goal. I was really impressed by Ghana. Lost to Portugal 3-2. This is the youngest team in the, uh, the World Cup. They, uh, when they get to the World Cup, they, they usually find a way through. They did not qualify in 2018. 2014 didn't get out of the groups. 2010, they made a quarterfinal, almost a semifinal. 2006, they made the round of 16. So Ghana, this is a very good young team. Kudus is 22. Bukhari is 23. Uh, Kamaldine Suleimana from Rennes is expected to be in the squad here. He's 20. And Otto Addo says, we will see a very passionate team about Ghana. The Black Stars, uh, they get a win here. They are in business. This is a group with Portugal expected to win. And we'll talk about them in a moment. The group... Second place is up for grabs, and Ghana, uh, narrowly missing a chance to get a point off of Portugal, certainly have a, a, a chance here. This is going to be a fun game. I look forward to seeing it at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Sorry, Mama Cho. Can't win them all. Good players. Mohamed Kudus, Iñaki Williams, Andre Ayew. Uh, not 100% we're hearing, so we'll see if he can go. Brazil, Switzerland, back to Group G. Big question here. Who replaces Neymar? has to be Rodrigo, right? Some are saying Lucas Paqueta moves up a little bit further. Uh, does Chiche go more conservative with this, knowing he has the three points in the bag already against Switzerland? He challenged in the two goals. You got Vinicius, you got Rafinha, you got a lot of 
guys who can score. I do expect Brazil to be a little more cautious, maybe not conservative in the way they approach it, especially with no Neymar. Uh, you would think that they can absorb that, but I don't know. It's Neymar, and I think that's uh, easier said than done. These two teams, and Serbia was in the same group as well in 2018. These two teams opened the 2018 World Cup 1-1. The Swiss, you know, Brazil, what happens with Brazil is they don't, they don't get surprised. They lose to good teams, Germany, Belgium. But Switzerland is a, uh, a really good team that kills Giants. 1-1 uh, against Brazil. 2010, they beat Spain. Spain went on to win the World Cup. 2020 Euros, they knocked out the French. Switzerland, even though this group is getting a little older with Shakiri and Granit Xhaka, uh, although I, I do like how they've immersed some of the young players, uh, in particular Braille and Bolo, who scored the goal. And I think this is a, a, certainly a team that can uh, run with Brazil. This is going to be a tightly contested game. We have four great games on Monday. We have four great games on Monday. Casemiro with one of the better quotes I've heard. I sometimes feel sorry for our opponents. We have so many good players. Portugal, Uruguay. Cristiano Ronaldo, first player to score in five World Cups. Uh, Uruguay is plus 310 as an underdog. I feel like we, I feel with all the hullabaloo of Ronaldo, all the distractions, that made me like Portugal less in this World Cup. So I didn't pick them to go very far. Once I've taken Ronaldo out of the equation, and he's going to still start, once you take Ronaldo out of the equation, I look at a super Portuguese team. This is a very exciting team when you think about the fact that Ronaldo with Bruno Fernandes, João Félix, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Neves, Rafael Leal off the bench, João Mario off the bench, absolutely loaded. Portugal is uh, a team that can win this World Cup. I expect them to win here and go two wins for two. And as we said, only France has done that. I expect Brazil to do that as well. For Uruguay, does, does Luis Suarez start? He probably starts. I think it's a mistake. I think you sit Luis Suarez. I think you don't play him in this World Cup. By the way, uh, the big news, the London Times reporting that Lionel Messi is uh, just about locked down to be coming to Major League Soccer summer of 2013. Uh, that would be very exciting. I work in MLS. Bring it on. Part of the story sa says that Luis Suarez will come along too, as will Cesc Fabregas. I have to check where Cesc Fabregas plays. He's playing in the second division in, this, in, in Italy with Como. It's a beautiful part of the world. This Uruguay team, you've, uh, you've got to let them play. You've got these great young players in Darwin Nunez and Federico. Pajarito Valverde and Rodrigo Betancourt and Nico de la Cruz. Great midfielders. Let those midfielders dictate this. Uruguay can go far, but Luis Suarez, I know Diego Godin had a good game, but I want to see Arajo in there. Maybe he starts to get in as well. And Cavani, it's, it's, they had their time. Uh, the young guys get to go. We shall see. Speaking of young, uh, with Danilo Pereira, broken ribs, Pepe, 39 years of age, might come in for Portugal at some point. So there you go. Really good games coming your way on Monday, and then we get into the final match day. Games played at the same time. I told you this was going to be a sprint, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Check me out on my social media handles. We'll be back tomorrow with a full USA-Iran preview. We'll recap it later. Thanks for checking me out. 
We're having a great time. I hope you are. Eat healthy, get your Farmer John bacon, and get your exercise and get your sleep. Thank you